This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and, uh, and I really ought to put my sunglasses on Java because I just got such a big smile for being back in the studio. We got bumped last week for some drama, and... Uh, Worked out for some folks, didn't work out for others, but it's just drama, you know. Anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening, and we skipped a week, so we got plenty to catch up on. If you've got some things you'd like to chat about that's going on in your garden, it's a live program here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and you can give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We've got a whole bunch of stuff going on in the garden right now. You know, it's, it's fall. And uh, just like typically, the state fair starts out hot and always ends up cool. I didn't think it was going to happen. Job, I didn't think it was going. I didn't think it was going to get cool. But last night it was chilly. It was this morning. It was chilly. And I was walking around the neighborhood. A lot of people besides me got a nice little fire going in their fire pit. I got one. Had one going for a day and a half till I got forgot about it yesterday. Uh, but I'll have it cranked back up this evening and just gonna sit around and enjoy the the first smells of fall. Uh, we're going to be talking about nothing but gardening, like I say, for the next hour or so, except for some really cheesy music coming up that's in celebration of a of a, of a holiday. Well, it's not a holiday. It's a celebration uh, that I learned about from a couple of my pub mates, Bob and, and uh, Kelsey. We're going to be talking about World Egg Day. <laughs> World Egg Day. Anyway, we're going to uh, have a little bit of fun. Hey, I brought some stuff in for show and tell, and I uh, don't know if, you know, Java, you, you, you know, the little... Uh, podcast thing we do. Can we run a picture of this with it? Okay, because I've got uh, burgundy mustard. I mean, it's mustard that's almost maroon. I've got some almost blue uh, collards. I've got some deep reddish burgundy um, okra. I brought in a red sales lettuce and a little sprig with a handful of peppers called chili piquin. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. But again, if you want to talk about gardening, that's what I'm here for, one eight seven seven mpb ring Let's start out right off the bat down the Gulf Coast in Pass Christiane. Hey, Mike, good morning. Hey, good morning, Felder. What's, what's up? Um, I met you a couple of weeks ago over at Balanci, the Master Gardener Show. Ted was, and I met you. That was fun. You know, I never know. I, you know, I show up at things like this like a bad gas wafting through, kind of unannounced. Hey, you enjoyed <laughs> it. It's uh, very good. I appreciate pricking your knowledge on things that uh, that really help. You bet. But I've got a question. I've cultivated and saved six or eight oak trees and be tremendous big trees someday not in my lifetime but in somebody else's lifetime uh-huh. but they're in the flower beds and i'm gonna take them up yeah. so i need to wait till it's a frost on them yeah need wait till they drop the leaf how big are they Oh, they're uh, they range from two to three and a half foot tall. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I'd wait till after after they drop all their leaves, you know, December, even January. And uh, when you yeah. dig them, you're not going to be able to get much of a root ball. You know, keep in mind, Mike, when a when an oak tree when a tree grows from a seed, it has a tap root. Okay, and it goes down as far as it can that first year, and that's it. Once you dig it and cut that taproot, it never really develops. So you need to help it grow side roots. So when you, even though they're little, go ahead and work up the, the, the dirt oh, two or three feet across around each one oh, when, when oh, you yeah, replant it. I got a little backhoe. I normally dig a big hole and compost it in. Yeah, you don't need to do all that. They're oak trees. They, they grow in just plain dirt better than they do, you know, a soup full of, of, of crackers, if you know what I mean. Don't, in other words, don't overdo it on the, the, the soil amendment. But main thing is 
nice wide hole. You don't need a back hole for these things, Mike. Come on. They're, okay. two, they're two feet okay. tall. <laughs> okay. See you, man. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, Java, I had a, an idea. I just I started, I, you know, I got a big old smile, but, you know, we ought to do a program sometime that's dedicated to just grouchy stuff. You know, you only call in what you want to complain, you know, grouchy. Can we do that? Like like we had the grouchy gardener on one time, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, he's from Southern Living. We, we can get the, the, the grumpy gardener. But, grumpy, but, yeah. But maybe with, if, if we do a program with nothing but complaining, <laughs> you know, I got weeds. Oh, yeah, well, my okra's got aphids. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, 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 we'll talk about that. We might hit something on that. We got to come up with a really good grouchy tune, though. Maybe Oscar the Grouch has something to weigh in on this. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not grouchy, folks. Give me a, don't be scared. Give me a call. We can just have a little bit of fun. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. So if you've got something you want to talk about, you've heard some stuff and not sure about it, uh, I'll tell you what I would do in my own garden based on horticulture training, based on lots of experience, based on working at garden centers and wholesale nurseries, based on landscape design, based on what would I do if my mother's still alive, what what would I tell her to do that won't cause her to smack me on the back of the head? That's my approach. I won't tell you anything. Uh, but if you want to give me a call to talk about stuff, bring it on. one eight seven seven mpb ring I want to throw out a few things that are going on this weekend. Uh, for, because last weekend we, we couldn't really announce some stuff. We missed some things. But this week, uh, this is going to be a plant sale. Uh, this week, matter of fact, it started yesterday, Thursday through Sunday, down at Weeks Bay. Now, that's down south of, uh, of, uh, of Mobiles, between Fairhope and Foley on Old Highway 98. And you're going to go on down there. They've got a, uh, a thing called Weeks Bay Preserve. And right across the highway from Weeks Bay Preserve uh, is a, a place called Safe Harbor. got a bunch of trees. They're going to have a huge plant sale. It's a great one. I've got several plants in my garden that are fall blooming right now that I picked out a couple of years ago at this thing because they were attracting butterflies in the fall. You know, a little narrow, uh, non-spreading type of, of, of goldenrod with little little golden wands on it. Uh, just all sorts of stuff. Anyway, Weeks Bay, having a plant sale. It's going to be there through Sunday. Again, it's um, hummingbird plants, native plants, butterfly plants, um, informal. It's across from Weeks Bay Preserve on Old Highway 98 between Fairhope and Foley. Hey, while you're down there, visit the pitcher plant bog. It's pretty cool. Uh, also, uh, next week, this coming up this next Wednesday, Mississippi State is having five landscape specialists on campus. They have the, the Edward Martin Landscape Design Symposium. Uh, it's, I forget, it's like the 62nd, 63rd year they've had this in a row. Uh, from 9 a.m. till noon at MSU at the Bost Auditorium, it's right by the football stadium. Our registration is 30 bucks. But it's hosted by uh, MSU Landscape Architecture Department, the Garden Clubs in Mississippi. Uh, and they've been talking about permaculture, uh, sort of finding creative ways to, to design your garden on whole systems thinking. I've got a permaculture garden myself. Um, also, in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a couple of plant swaps. I'm going to talk about those, one in Flora, one down in Mobile. And um, those are the kind of things we'll talk about as we get a little bit closer to it. But if you have some things you'd like me to, to help promote, Give me a shout. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now let's go to Jackson talk to Johanna. Good morning, lady. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Good. What's up? Okay, I went to Hutto's and I got a solidary bee house. Yeah. And I'm thinking 
do you have to put it in a certain direction, like facing east, west? Does that make a difference? It, it really does. It, uh, but this, but this just has the holes in it right now, right? Yeah, it's one that's got the little bamboo things, a little slits yeah. in it. Yeah, now, it's not gonna have any bees till next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, what happened? You know the, you know these great big. Uh, some, they look like bumblebees. They're carpenter bees. They bore the mm-hmm. hole in wood. Yeah, mason bees. Yeah, mason bees. Well, though, the, the, the carpenter bees are big ones, but the mason bees and the fruit, there's a whole bunch of little smaller bees that lay their eggs in the spring, you know, after they get through stuff. So hang it out anywhere where it's kind of open. Okay. And uh, what will happen, it'll just sort of sit there over the wintertime. But next spring, when these little pollinator bees, come, they're native bees, they'll come out of holes in old trees and stuff like that. And some of them will find their way to yours, start building a nest. Okay, okay. It's really cool. Well, I've got one. I've got two more questions. Yeah. My neighbors brought me over an orphan chase lolly. They dug it up. They said it didn't bloom, so I cut it off and put it in a pot, and it's been sitting out there. Is there a reason it's not blooming? Uh, wait, or, you, you said a, 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 a chase what? Chase lilac. Oh, oh, chase lilac. Okay, by text. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, by text. Yeah, it's, uh, it blooms in the summertime. But they said it's never bloomed. Is there some reason that they... Was, I just couldn't let them throw it away, so yeah. I got it out there. Was theirs in the? Was it in the sun or the shade? I think it was in like partial shade. It needs a lot of sunshine. This is a plant that will grow in a cemetery in Del Rio, Texas. I mean, okay. it need, it is extremely drought tolerant. I've got one in my yard. My neighbor's got. Matter of fact, it's probably going to be one of the replacement trees for crepe myrtles. Now that we got that bad bug on the crepe myrtles, yeah. But a uh, full sun. Miserable conditions. You know, you fertilize it, water it, it just ain't going to bloom. Okay, that might have been the reason. When you re- when you plant it, stomp the dirt around it, walk away. Okay, <laughs> oh, I'll do that. I got to warn you, I got one in my front yard, and I don't know if you ever seen him. I got shoulder-length gray hair. I, it, I mean, I know you. I know okay. where you are. <laughs> well, you know the plant looks a little bit like marijuana, so I'm just saying. You're going to have to explain yourself to some of your neighbors. That's okay. Um, if I just explain myself anymore to my neighbors. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> you and me too, sweetheart. Anyway, no problem. The main thing is treat it mean. Well, let me ask you one more question. Sure. What is what are the tricks to the trade of using marrows in your yard? I've got some, and it looks like she got a marrow standing up over there. Uh, there's got to be some way you do it where it just does that magic that that it does. Okay. I've got I'm having a hard time. A marrow. What? Are you, a what? A, a marrow. Uh, like a mirror, like a, a glass mirror. Oh, 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 a mirror. Mirror. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you mean mirror. Yeah. I've got a mirror one put in my yard. <laughs> I've, I've got uh, some huge ones. I've, they're three feet tall by five feet wide. I've got one, two, three, four of them in my back garden on a fence. You know, so the you know the main thing is 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 they're you know they're really good to bring light into a dark area. I've got them on the north side of my, of my house, mm-hmm. so that because it's just real dark in the summertime, the wintertime, and all of a sudden it reflects everything in the backyard, so it it uh, it, it it doubles my pleasure out there. A couple of things though, be careful where you put it in case it's going to reflect light into your house or your eyes or something like that. And yeah, all of that. And also, this is something I heard this from a listener here on the program, and I did it, and it works like a charm. Cut you some small kind of flat sprays of crepe myrtle branches and hang them a few inches out from the mirrors. This will keep birds from banging into them because birds will just fly right into them and, you know, break their neck. Oh, but, God, I don't want that. No. No, no. But, but here's what I did. I spray painted mine just a little bit, hit up with a little orange, a little red, you know, something to kind of make it more than... Yeah, and, and I hung them out there about six inches out from the mirrors, and now I've got birds that perch on them and bang at themselves from a short distance. Great, great. Okay, well, great. Have fun. I will, I will, and you have a great day. And, um, 
Thank you, I'll Lee. Talk to you later. All right. Uh, all right. Yeah, mirrors in the garden. Let's go to Crystal Springs. Hey, Mike. Good morning, sir. Hey. What's up? All right. So I had potted onions, and they got pink root rot. So hmm. what other plants does pink root rot cause a problem for? You know, that is a good question. I've never heard that one in my life because it's a sort of a problem on, on onions, mostly onions that are kept a little bit too wet or planting a real heavy soil. Um, I would imagine it would f- affect uh, gar- any of the allen families, garlic, chives, garlic chives, things like that. But, uh, you know, I think there's some ways you can work around the, uh, that with the onions. I think if you work your dirt up and, you know, plant, you know, in the spring instead of in the fall or something, you might get away with it. But I, it, I, good question. As far as I know, I would educational guess would be members of the onion family. And that might also include some of the lilies. I don't know. Good question. Huh. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Shoot me an email because I'll learn something before the day's over. All righty. Yep, I get stumped. It's okay. Can you hear my smile? <laughs> Jackson, uh, Robert. Morning, Robert. What's going on in Jackson? Yes, Felton. I just wanted to know, is, is it safe to trim boxwoods in the, uh, at this time of year? Well, if you want to neaten them up, uh, Robert, uh, I pruned mine about a month and a half ago, and they've all got—they've already got all their new growth on it, and it has time to settle down before fall. If you prune them hard, it's going to take four or five weeks for the new growth to come out, and it'll freeze in the wintertime. So if you just want to shear them and kind of neaten them up a little bit, I wouldn't see any problem with it, but uh, that, that's all I would. If you could put that off a couple of weeks, that'd be even better. We just don't want to force a lot of new growth that might get turn brown in the wintertime, which if it does, next spring, you just prune it back. Okay. So if you got you, you got special do, go ahead and neaten it up. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> All righty. Appreciate it. All righty. We're going to take a real quick break and come back. We've got a, a lady in Macomb. We're to talk about Crate Merle's. Got a caller from Mobile. Hadn't heard from anybody from North Mississippi. Hey, I, I brought in today some burgundy mustard, some blue collards, some burgundy okra, some red sails lettuce, and the chili pekin. Chili pekin is a little small bird's eye thing. It's uh, something like 10 times hotter than jalapeno, citrusy, smoky, nutty, uh, and it will fire you up. It is hot peppers for an old guy like me. Trust me on this, young folks, it's better than drugs. Well, maybe they are drugs. I don't know, but they'll sure fire you up and they'll give you that nice little endorphin. We're going to take a break and come back with more your calls here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Okie dokie, folks. I'm calmed down now. I'm not eating any of these peppers or anything like that. I just took a picture of my burgundy mustard, my blue collards, my red sails lettuce, and my chili pekin pepper, and we're going to put it on the MPB podcast podcast for this program when we get off. Hey, let's go to uh, uh, to Macomb and talk with Mary. Hey, Mary, thank you for holding. Thank you for taking my call. Howdy, what's up? Okay, my mom has potted me a crepe myrtle. Uh huh. When should I plant the thing? Is is it in a pot now? 
Yes. Uh, it's been there a while, right? Yes. Yeah, you can plant, you, a container plant, you can set it any time you can dig a decent hole, any time of the year. So okay. uh, here's the deal, though, a couple of things, Mary, real quick. Crepe myrtles, um, if you dig a, a hole a little bit wider than you think, if you don't feel a little silly about it, it's not quite wide enough, and, uh, you know, maybe a shovel deep, and then loosen the potting soil up, uh, the, the roots of the potting soil a little bit when you set it in the ground so it's not doesn't have pot-shaped roots. And if you okay. water it really, really good, you know, it's a little, you know, you don't want to booger the roots up too much, but if you water it in really good when you're done, then it'll do just fine. They're going to drop the leaves in the next few weeks anyway. Okay, now you answer questions about all kind of garden stuff, right? I do. Well, if I, if I can. When should we stop feeding our hummingbirds? <laughs> you can you can feed them all year long because when they're ready to go, they're out of here. Feeding will not keep them around at all. Matter of fact, leave your feeders up because a lot of the hummingbirds that we're seeing right now are actually the ones that this summer were in Ohio and Vermont and Illinois and Kentucky. They all fly right through here, so a lot of them need a little pick-me-up. So leave your feeders out until you're sure that they're all gone. It won't make them stay around at all. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. Are there any birds that are going to be migrating here for the winter that I oh. need to be preparing for? Well, you don't have to. They don't depend on us, but we have a whole bunch of, of what we call winter migrants come down here. Uh, you know, like the little goldfinch. When goldfinch come down, they're just kind of a, you know, they're not golden at all, but they, 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 uh, little goldfinch. I think we have robins that come in a whole lot in the, I don't remember all the winter migrants. We got a whole bunch that come down just for the winter because they're trying to get away from Minnesota for a little while. Right. So they don't need any special houses or any special food or anything? No. Nope. You know, if if we weren't here at all, they wouldn't miss us one little bit. But at the same time, if you do put a feeder out there, it, it helps them out, and uh, it brings them in if you don't have a cat or if you've got a, something to keep the cat off the feeder. But you can enjoy them. You can help them out a little bit, and you can enjoy because they, when, when you put a bird feeder out, Mary, it not only brings color and motion and interest, but it also drink, brings drama because they can be real persnickety with each other. So it's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun. We yeah. love watching them. And I thank you for taking my call. Okay, Mary. Good luck on the crepe, Myrtle. Okay, thanks. See Bye-bye. ya. Now go down to Mobile. Hey, Melinda, what you got? Hey, Felder. How are you today? I'm fine. What's going on? Well, actually, I am moving next week within my apartment complex, and I am going from a very sunny patio to a very small, totally shaded patio. And I wondered if you had any ideas for me for container. I, I listened up on that uh, crepe myrtle and uh, your joke about the pod. I caught that also. But <laughs> what do you think I might try, for, like right now? By the way, the state bird of uh, Alabama is gone, the mosquito. <laughs> With it. Ain't We're gone yet. No, well, tr- trust me, this I, you've never been eaten by mosquitoes till you've been to Alaska or someplace like that. I, I hear. But wow. uh, you know, so this is going to be shady, right? Yes. Uh, well, for for one thing, if it's a big pot, you know, you could put shade loving uh, plants out there. You could put a little dwarf nandina. 
Uh, you could, if it's big enough, you could put you a Sasanqua, uh camellia to give a little height to it. If it's, you know, a pot that oh, you, yeah. if you can absolutely well, forgot I, about them. I, I would go with the Sasanqua because it doesn't, you know, it's uh, more yes. graceful in a pot. Uh, but yes, it's, my you sister know, has those. They're just beautiful. And is that only white? Do you think, or others, other colors? Oh yeah, there's. Uh, uh, I've got one that's pink. They've got red ones. They've got all different wow. kinds. As a matter of fact, not very far from me is a wholesale place called Greens uh, Nursery over in in uh, Fairhope, uh, uh-huh. and they and they specialize in all different kinds of sasanquas. So you know you can get them all around there, a lot of different colors. But also think about something that's going to brighten it up. Some a clump or two of of that striped monkey grass. Yeah, plant, yeah, yeah. Plant it on the high side, you know, with the maybe a third or so sticking out of the soil. It, that'll give it some more height. Put you some aspidistra, you know, the cast iron uh-huh. plant. And if you can yeah, find it, got, I've got one in my uh, other patio, and it well, seems to be doing well. So and I, that can go right out in the sun because no, no, the no, side you, of the patio is sun. Oh, oh no, 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 no. We need. We, I'm talking about shade plant. There's one other I okay. throw in there just for texture difference. See if you can okay. find the, the evergreen fern called holly fern. Uh-huh. It, it has leaves like a holly, but holly fern and aspidistra and monkey grass and a little sasanqua. you got something really, really pretty going on right there. And then have something hanging over the side, uh, maybe a yeah. variegated ivy or something, just to kind of brighten up and give you something other than just green. And coleus? How do they well, do? Well, not, not, not this time of year. Okay. Call, call me in the Sounds spring. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about spring stuff next spring. we are just talking about getting you through the winter right now. You, yes, sir. Well, I do appreciate you, and I'll keep listening. You got other stuff on your mind besides this, so let's keep it simple, Melinda. <laughs> got to get back to work. Yeah. Thank you, dear. Okay, no, bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I gave a call out for North, all the way up to South Haven. You can't get more North Mississippi than that, Mark. What's going on? Uh, good morning. Hi. I just wondered if you had any tricks to keeping common Bermuda from creeping into your hybrid Bermuda. Nope. <laughs> okay. No, I no, no. I'll take it a step further. I know for a fact there ain't nothing. Okay. So even <laughs> the uh, the commercial growers, they have the same problem. Yeah, yeah. And okay. what what will kill one will kill the one thing that'll help. Uh, hybrid Bermuda likes to be cut close, really close, yes. and yes. Uh, and it likes to be watered and fertilized. And if you do that, then it'll be real dense and thick, and the common Bermuda will get tall and it'll mow out a lot easier. And you might yes. actually peter it out that way. Okay, and uh, do you recommend uh, doing uh, putting a winterizing fertilizer on your on your grass of o o twenty twenty or something like that to well, to kind of well let, rather rather than what do I recommend? Let's stick with what we know that turf managers recommend, and the answer is yes. But okay. the 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 winterizer ingredient is that third number, it's potash. Turf grass doesn't need much of that middle number of phosphorus at all. Okay. So I would stick with okay. something uh, in in the summertime that's you know slow release nitrogen, and that and then sometime the spring one doesn't matter when put something that's got a higher third number. Uh, you can get ah, the, the stuff they call winterizer. It's okay. got nitrogen for green growth, low phosphorus, and lots of potash. But when I get this mark, potash lasts at least two years in our soil. So if wow. you if you put okay. this stuff out, a winterizer in April or May, you've winterized for the following next two winters. All right, so, you're very you're very uh, you're a, a scholar and a gentleman, and I, I appreciate. I'm it. just sticking with the facts, sir. But in, uh-huh. and by the way, they recommend no fertilizer. That's got nitrogen on Bermuda grass or other warm season grasses pass around the first of September. Oh, okay, so, I got it. Yeah, I got yeah. It. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. April and August, appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Hey,
All righty. I, I just want to play this cheesy tune so bad, but I want to go to George County and talk to Misty because, Misty, I don't know nothing about orchids. But what can I try to help you with? I have an orchid that I got from Mother's Day, not this past Mother's Day, but the year before. And amazingly enough, it is still alive. It has had another flower stalk after the, the ones that it came with. Uh-huh. And now at the top of the little viney thing that the flowers grow off of there are some leaves and the the biggest leaf is probably about the size of a quarter it's got three of them the smallest one's a little bit smaller than a dime what do i do (laughs) (laughs) well sound like you do whatever you're doing keep doing that here's here's what i know about oregon this is a container one right right It's it's in the same little bowl or pot that it came in does, last does, year. Does it have roots growing all around it and all that? Those little Yeah, they're they're shooting out of the pot. Yeah. If you want the tabletop. If you wanted to repot it, you know, you could get a bar you could buy an orchid mix, but mostly bark and stuff like that. Uh uh-huh. you know, a little bit bigger pot, even a, a a basket type thing, you know, so so just keep it in that. What they need is bright indirect light, you know, not full sun, not dark right. shade. They need humidity and regular watering with just a little bit of fertilizer every now and then. In other words, make it think it's hanging in a tree in the jungle. So if you're going to keep it indoors, uh, you're going to need to keep it, um, you know, like in a bathroom or the kitchen, someplace with a little humidity, not in a heater draft. Yeah, but, it's, but, in, um, it's in my living room on a, a little bench in front of the, the window. We've got a front porch, so... Just very late in the well, very early in the morning because it it faces east. Yeah, it gets perfect sunlight, and well, I water it on all the days that end in five. Yeah, like well, the fifth, the fifteenth, and the twenty fifth. Yeah, well, when you, when your heater comes on for the for the for the winter time, uh, hold a candle or something like that near there and see if there's a draft on it because heaters pull in the air conditioners pull all the humidity out. And so uh-huh. if, if, if you have a candle by then it's blowing like crazy when you heat or air conditioner on, uh, either move it over a little bit or find some way to deflect that, or else get you like a big potted plant and put it in with the potted plant so it sort, sort of like has a shared humidity thing. Okay. That'll help. Okay. So I don't need to, like, cut that one off, just let the leaves grow out from the top? A lot of times, and, and I don't know what, there's so many kinds of orchids. There's so, it, orchid people are just, you know, there's there's nobody like them. You know, they're just, <laughs> they've got so many different kinds of things and tricks and all. But a lot of them re-bloom on the old stems. Okay. I, I don't know if yours does or not. You know, I just don't know. But uh, anyway, okay. if you can send me a picture of it, I might be able to find out what it is, a yeah. little bit more information about it. I will do it. Okay, well, good luck on it, and let us know how it does, okay? Okay, thanks. All righty. Uh, Java, I think it's about time. I want to throw this out. Uh, there's a fellow in the 1950s, an accordion player from Switzerland. Now, this is my people. The fellers came from Switzerland. You don't get any more blue-eyed than that, okay? And he came up with perhaps the cheesiest song ever. And I thought because today is International Fly, uh, International Egg Day, and we might go down to the state fair and get our picture made in the egg chair. Don't know. But I thought in honor of today's being, uh, according to my friend Bob's and Kelsey, that International Egg Day will play possibly the cheesiest, whitest, blue-eyed tune you could ever come across. Here it is for International Egg Day. <laughs> 
no, no, no. Let's bump it up a little bit. Bacon and eggs. Eggs and bacon. Bacon and eggs. Eggs and bacon. Bacon and eggs. And eggs and bacon. It's what I like to eat when I awaken. Eggs and bacon. Frying in a pan. Eggs and bacon. Frying in a pan. Eggs and bacon. Frying in a pan. Well, I just might be the world's biggest egg and bacon fan. Bacon and No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Okie doke, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Hope you like celebrating eggs and bacon. Day. Actually, I'm throwing that out for all of those folks who are on a keto diet because a little protein is good for you. I want to remind folks there's a big plant sale down at Weeks Bay, which is between Fairhope uh, and um, Foley on Old Highway 98, Safe Harbor across from Weeks Bay. It's a really good plant sale. A lot of native plant, a lot of lot of stuff in bloom that uh, if you put it in your yard, you'll have it in just great next year. But also you'll have bunny, butterflies, and hummingbirds, stuff like that. Uh, but this this week I blew a bunch of leaves out of uh, my yard, cleaned out the shed. I found a sweet olive that was blooming. Sweet olive blooms in the fall. Big evergreen shrub. It's got clusters of very fragrant pale yellow, sometimes a golden, depending on the, the variety. A very fragrant fall. Sweet olive is a fall-blooming, incredible, old-fashioned native plant. Uh, my broccoli and cabbage, lettuce, Swiss chard, burgundy, they're all doing good. Uh, also made some soup with my homegrown herbs and greens and cleaned up my old wood pile, burned the oldest stuff that's going to be too smoky for company. And uh, this week I'm sending out violas and some other winter flowers. A lot of stuff you could be doing this time of year. A lot of stuff you can be enjoying. So uh, just relax. Find some stuff to do or find some stuff just to enjoy. Meanwhile, let's slide up down to Pascagoula on the coast. Hey, Robert, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Thanks for holding. Oh, my. St. Augustine is getting murdered by Virginia buttonweed, and it's all over our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering if there's anything to do. Oh, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, first and foremost, and, and some people think I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to stick with what we know. If you'll mow high, that's better for the St. Augustine to have a denser growth. It'll shade out a lot of the weeds, including a lot of the Virginia buttonweed. And the buttonweed and other plants have to grow up above it to get the sunlight they need, and your mower will snatch a lot of it out. So raise right. it's something as simple as raising your mower, high setting, will do wonders both for your grass and to eliminate weeds. Second of all, when you fertilize, let's wait till April. No earlier than April, no later than end of August. Give it a little bit of a slow-acting uh, centipede food would be great for St. Augustine. Uh, and uh-huh. those two things will help your grass get dense and thick. Virginia buttonweed will have to grow up. And then if you want to use a weed killer, 
and only then use something that's whatever will control dandelions, things like that. It'll control Virginia buttonweed, but if you spray it strong or often, it'll also kill you, St. Augustine. So two or three light applications, one of those, uh, next spring, after the uh, everything's all greened up, that'll help take out what doesn't get shaded out by the St. Augustine. So plain, all right. plain, weed killers are far distant third in the control of it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thank, thank you very much. Good luck on it. <laughs> See yes, ya. sir. Now, Hattiesburg. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hey there. Looking Is there any way to grow blue bonnets in South Mississippi? Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep in mind, blue bonnets, of course, they're native to Texas. Well, not even Texas. They're native to South East Texas. You don't see them up, you know, where it's really, really hot. You don't see as many in East Texas where the soil is more acidic and more rainfall. So it really wants to be in a, an alkaline prairie type setting. So if you get the seeds and sow them in the fall, they'll grow over the wintertime and bloom in the spring. They just may not reseed themselves and come back year after year. But you can treat them as an overwintering wildflower like you would Coriopsis of Black Eyed Susan. Uh, but if you want to get them to grow really, really well and receive themselves, you got to create uh, uh, that area between uh, Dallas and and Houston around Austin. You got to mow it close. You got to keep it really poor fertilizer, no water, and uh, throw some lime out there to make the soil more alkaline. But anyway, you can grow them in is a is a is an overwintering one shot thing, no problem. Okay, what about in pots? Yeah, same thing. And keep it uh, again. These are legumes. Uh, they make their own fertilizer. They they like an alkaline, dry soil. So if you're going to do that, I would have a kind of a sandy potting soil and uh, maybe a little fertilizer to get them started, but nothing else after that. They they really grow in miserable, poor, alkaline, harsh conditions. And so treat them like that. Thank you. Good luck on it. Right. Whew, that's it. Oh, we we still got almost twenty minutes. Give us a call. We got the lines wide open. One eight seven seven MPB ring, um, wide open. Eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, this past week, uh, I'm I'm giving, giving a program up in Pontotoc in a few weeks, and uh, I was up at the uh, that thing they had the uh, for the fungus walk they had the in Oxford, uh, which I went to. It's been a couple of weeks ago. There are over thirty people showed up, and basically. Uh, the uh, mycologist, the fungus expert, sent everybody out just through these woods, collected all the kind of weird stuff we could find. Then we sat around and talked about all of them, which, which are edible, which will shut your liver down in four hours, which are pretty, ribbons, blue ones, all different kinds of fustra, mushrooms. Anyway, on the way back, I swung through Pontotoc because I'm giving a talk there to see if I could get a picture. I was working on my talk, and I struck gold. Uh, in Pontotoc, Mississippi, up in North Mississippi, off just off the main road, is a huge, huge creature that looks like a man made out of tires. It is perfect. I got a picture of my truck right by it. So uh, if you're up in Potatoc, swing off the main road uh, there near downtown. Look at the tire man. It's really, really cool. Uh, by the way, I also got an email from a guy named Joey O'Mahony. Uh, he listened to the podcast from Baton Rouge, and this past week he sent me a picture of his flower bouquet that he made in his yard. He had red spider lilies, a green fern, which looked really cool, threw in some goldenrod, and some wild grass seed heads. I thought that was so cool. Spider lilies, fern, goldenrod, wild grass seed heads. It was as pretty a bouquet as you could find anywhere, and I appreciate that a whole bunch. Got a few other things, uh, some, some emails I want to share with you, but meanwhile, we can go to Taylor. Talk about sweet olive. Hey, David, good morning. 
Hey, good morning. How are you? Fine. What's up? Good. I, I was glad you mentioned the sweet olive. I was I was driving down to my office and. Uh, that is just, I, I think they have the most mesmerizing fragrance, and it's perhaps my favorite in, in, in all the natural world. And I'm just wondering if there's a specific um, variety of it that is more native to North Mississippi, and well, uh, and will it grow in a pot? Well, well, I, you know, actually, sweet olive not native. We have a native plant called sweet shrub that blooms in the in the, the late winter spring with kind of burgundy flowers. It smells real scented, sweet shrub. But the one that's blooming right now, the closest to the flower, is sweet olive, is native to China. Um, and oh, interesting. And they're, they're the ones that bloom in the fall. There's uh, there's several varieties, including one I think it's called auricula. I can't remember. Anyway, there's one that has golden yellow flowers, but the most mm-hmm. fragrant one is just the old fashioned with the with the with the white flowers, kind of pale pale yellow white flowers. Uh, it's and I'm glad it blooms in the fall, uh, David, because in the springtime you got magnolia, honeysuckle, uh, all these other things that bloom. This time it's the only sweet smelling thing out there. But anyway, what I do is I find one in town. And uh, it smells really, really good. And uh, give me a call and we'll take some cuttings from it, or else just any of them you get from a garden center. They're all going to be pretty, pretty intense. Well, are these the same? I've always heard sweet olive um, is uh, the same as is it the same as the osmanthus? Yes, yes. Os- okay. the Latin name is osmanthus fragrance. Isn't that cool? <laughs> but uh, anyway, the the the. The the sweet shrub is calicanthus. It blooms in the spring. Just want to make sure we're talking about the the fall bloom. It's osmanthus fragrance is the Latin name. That's that's the, that's the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Okay, hey, if you go online, there may be some that have been bred that have extra extra nice flowers, but you know, just the plain ones enough to run you out of the house. Oh, it's, it's, they smell so great. <laughs> Calm down, David. Go to work. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, now to to Meridian. Hey, Dorothy. Hey, uh, listen, I have a question about knockout roses. I okay. think I missed the time to cut it. I had other things, and I missed cutting back my knockout roses. Is it too late? It, it really is, and the reason why, because you cut them back now, they put out new growth pretty quick. And, yeah, uh, you know, in central okay. Mississippi, that new growth, it, it probably won't have time to really toughen up before winter. You know, you, if you got more than one... Yes. Well, I'll prune yes. one to see what happens. <laughs> but but you know okay, we, we want to do that. <laughs> you know, we want to prune them really hard in the winter, winter time. You know, February or so, okay. and then you can prune them pretty good bit. You know, a couple of times in the summer. But after about the first of September, meh, it's going to be a what gamble. About, what about February? Is that the best time? Well, that's the time you cut them back. You take a knockout rose, is you know t- you know four feet high, and cut it back to two feet, and it'll just bloom all that much better. Okay. So you can put them right. hard in the winter, and then after they get through their first big flush in the spring, you can you can make a few snips here and there to keep it from you know, and that way you always have some new flower and growth coming on without letting it get too big. Okay, thank you so much. All right, don't we just we hate these rules, but they're based in fact. Okay. <laughs> Good luck on it. Thank you. Bye. Okay, now let's go down to Ocean Springs. Hey, Tish. Good morning. Good morning, Felda. Um. I live in Ocean Springs on a what used to be a sand dune. It also used to be an, an oceaneer, so the oaks are, are very tall rather than, um, but very close together. Uh-huh. And there's very little understory. There was no natural understory when I bought the property. Right. Um, and I've tried to put in some beds in various places. 
what's happening now is we are having an unbelievable acorn fall. Yeah. <laughs> and the fall, the, I have um, mulched with oak leaves. And here are these acorns gathering by the thousands. And my question is, will they affect the acidity of the soil? Is that going to harm anything? Or do I just leave them where they are? Okay, it's it, uh, three, three different questions. First of all, yes, it will affect it, but not enough to really make a big deal. The only people who, who get their knickers in a knot over this kind of stuff are scientists. But it's not going to okay. make an appreciable difference. Okay, so I okay. wouldn't worry about that. Even the oak leaves, they say, well, it's going to make it acid. Some people say alkaline. It's not that big a deal. Um, okay. But as far as, you know, you might have a problem of having a bunch of oak trees to pull the next year. So that because they, they they come from acorns. And I have the worst weed in my yard, Tish, the worst weed is my neighbor's oak tree. They come up all, and it's a native tree, so you can't badmouth it. You can't say, well, it's an invasive exotic. No, it's a native tree, and it's the worst weed in my yard because every acre sprouts in my flower beds. But other uh-huh. than that, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about it at all. Very good. Thank you so much. Okay, Tish, appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to Little Rock, Arkansas. Cortez, what? How are you listening to us in Little Rock? You online or something? Yes, I'm uh, out of state right now. Okay. What's up? What can we help you with? I was trying to see there's such thing as a sweet potato plant. I kind of remember from kindergarten or the first grade, I thought we grew one, and I was trying to see how to grow one if that is a sweet potato plant. Oh, yeah. From a sweet potato. Yeah, well, well, sweet potatoes grow on the roots of sweet potato plants. A sweet potato plant is a vine that runs across the ground, and it'll run every which way. It's a pre-plant. Uh, so if you get a sweet potato and sprout it like you did in kindergarten, you know, they, they, you, you can cut it, put it in some water and grow roots and sprout off one end of it. You can take those little pieces and break them off and root them and grow them pretty well. But get this, Cortez, there are some ornamental sweet potatoes. Every garden center sells them. They got, some got almost black foliage, some got lime green foliage, some got reddish foliage, but they're called ornamental sweet potatoes, and they grow like crazy, and they make little, they make little not pretty sweet potatoes, but they make sweet potatoes you can actually eat. Okay, so I do kind of remember that. Yeah, because I think my grandmother had one going around her whole living room. She did. What she did was she took a sweet potato, she stuck some toothpicks in it, and and put it in a glass of water, you know, or a jar of water. Toothpicks, toothpicks kept her from falling down in the in the jar, and it grew all these vines all around her house. And how, uh, how often do you have to change the water out, or do you change it? Out? Well, you know, they don't want to grow in water. It's just something Grandmama did, you know, because that was back before Internet. You know, what do you do? We don't have Internet. Well, you play with your sweet potatoes. You know, that's just what they did. But, yeah, you know, if you put it outside, you could actually plant it in the yard, and then the vines, you can cut a piece of those off, and they will root in water. So if you can find somebody who's got a sweet potato plant now, you can cut some of those vines off four, five, six inches long, and they'll grow roots in a in a in, you know in a uh, a jar in your window all winter long. Okay, I sure appreciate that. Been bugging my brain, and I was just <laughs> listening to you on the radio, and I feel like I got to try to call and get through. You know what, Cortez? You were raised right, my friend. I sure appreciate mm-hmm. that. You bet. Shoot me an email sometime. We'll take it. We'll take a step further. We're gonna celebrate Grandmama here. Yes, sir. Thank oh, you. You bet. Okay, let's go up to, to to almost Memphis again, South Haven. Kim, what's going on? Uh, yeah, thank you for taking my call. I sure. appreciate it. Sure. 
my husband is very, very allergic to poison ivy, looks at it, gets it. Me we too. We have it growing in the backyard now, coming up between our hedges, and our dogs are running through the hedges, and he can't even touch the dogs now. Yeah, well, they get that oil. These things have an oil. On a hot day, it can actually volatilize and blow, and you can get it on it that way. But if you got dogs running through it, they can get it on their fur, and he's going to get that oil, and next thing he's going to go to the bathroom, he's got it everywhere. So how do I get rid of it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of things, Kim. First of all, I, I want to assure you that what I'm about to tell you is offensive to a lot of people, but I'm sorry. This is the fact. The only thing that will kill poison ivy, roots and all, without hurting your trees, without giving you cancer and all like that, is Roundup. That's the only thing that I think is safe environmentally that's effective. But now, it won't work this time of year. So what I would do, Kim, is sometime... Uh, either you or get somebody to go through there uh, with a machete or a hatchet or something like that, and all this, all the, the the vines that you can see, cut them off close to the ground. And what will happen, the stuff above there will die, the leaves will fall off, you're done with it. But next spring, the what's left will sprout out close to the ground, and then... It does it. It's close to the ground. Doesn't take much. Just go out and wet the foliage with some Roundup. It'll go in. It'll kill it. Roots and all for good. If you put it on new growth in the spring, okay. That, and that you know, I know there's a lot of concern right now about chemicals. And I, I I get it, and I can back this up. But you're not going to give yourself problems if you'll cut them off, spray the new growth in the spring. It really does work. And that's the only way I know that really really works. I'm all for it. I'd rather pay for the chemicals than have him in the hospital. So <laughs> Yeah, well, and like I say, it works best, you know, if it's sprouting down. And you don't have to use much of the stuff. It won't hurt tree trunks and things like that. So that that's what – now, keep in mind, though, once you cut the stuff off, the, the stuff that grew up in the trees, those vines, you can get poison ivy from those next year. So I have somebody who who's not allergic to it come in some long sleeves and gloves and pull it all down as best they can, get rid of it. Perfect. Thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Uh, good luck, Helen. I'm really allergic to poison. I mean, I've been sitting here scratching my legs and my fingers just talking to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank I'm going to eat me a hot pepper. That'll make me feel better. Thanks, Kim. Yeah. Shoot, hey, if you need some more about it, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to help. Perfect. Thank you. You bet. Mm-hmm. Our email, folks, by the way, is garden at mpbonline.org. I've got three or four that I'm behind on, but I'll catch up on those a little bit later today. The lady with the blue glasses, I'm with you. Let's go to Virgil in Helena, Arkansas. Hey, Virgil. Hey, Felder. What's up? I got a question about some hazelnut trees. Sure, Filbert's, yep. Yeah, Filbert's. My wife ordered me some. They just came in the other day. Uh Uh-huh. I need to get them in the ground right away, don't I? Nah. Are they in pots or are they bare root or what? No, just, uh, they look like they're dormant, just sticks. Okay, well, that's not good. I, I, they, they, those need to get in the ground. What I do is I put them in a bucket and let them soak overnight to yeah. sort of rehydrate. And then I, they, they're probably, what, uh, two or three feet long? Yeah, about two foot. Yeah. And when you plant them, you know, if you look on them real close, you can see that little space between above the roots. It changes color. And you want to yeah. plant, you know, you want to plant that level with your ground. Don't plant them even an inch or so deep. But try to see where they were growing originally and plant them that deep. But I would definitely soak soak the roots in a bucket uh, overnight. Will they do well in this area? Yeah, they should. I mean, they should. There's a lot of different varieties. That's that's a problem. And, uh, you know, some varieties do better than others. But, you know, unless we knew what, what they are, we really can't predict them. But it's oh, going to... I don't know offhand. I'll have 
have to look again on it. Yeah, and I, and I tell you this, uh, if it's, those are seedlings, and uh, trees are grown from seeds. Typically may take four, five, six years before they'll get mature enough to start producing. So don't hold your breath is what I'm saying. Okay, well, thank you very much. Okay, good luck on it, Virgil. And uh, give her a big old hug, say thank you, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, huh. Wow. I, I need to go to the state fair and have me one of those $5 ears of corn. Uh, have you taken the kids to the fair yet, Java? That's on our to-do list this weekend, man. We're going we're gonna to make it down there and, and have, a, have a good time. Okay, lucky your kids are small enough where you can give them a bite from your corn. No, I got I got some eaters, man. <laughs> yeah, it, well, this, it's like 4 or $5, but they put that much butter on them. Yeah, but that uh, that's one of the like the the hidden treasures for the corn. People always think about the um funnel cakes and you know um uh the other deep fried Oreos, but that corn, that roasted corn, that's something to have. You know, the family that's, that's done that, they've been doing it for 30 or 35 years. I've I've known them for a long long time. You know, they've they've always done that. And it's a, it's it's one of my favorite things just because it's a it's a local family thing. And uh, I love that. I never have seen the egg chair, though. You were telling me earlier that Kevin has a picture of himself in the egg chair. Yeah, Kevin, actually, he's been taking a picture. Kevin Farrell. Taking a picture in the egg chair for about nine years now. And, um, yeah, he recently posted them to Facebook. And it's it's in the trademark building where they have the, the um, you know, where they have the plant show, where they yeah, have the yeah, antique yeah. cars. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's there. Which, by the way, I was going to take some flowers to the flower show, and I forgot about it. You know, you know why? Because we weren't on the air last week, and I forgot to remind myself. That's why. That's why. But anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening every Friday. Repeat on Saturdays. You can listen to this on podcast. Uh, I get uh, emails from people literally all over the world who hear this on on NPR podcast, and uh, that's what we do. We try to tune a garden part. We're in the South, but you know, gardeners. We might plant things different seasons, different plants, but we all dig a hole, put something in it green side up, hope it works. And that's what the Gestalt Gardener is. It's a, it's a garden party. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer, the laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman, a phone greeter, is the esteemed Kevin Farrell. I'm your host, Felder Rush. I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all this mid-October weekend. Get out and about in my little garden. Get me a fire going this evening to uh, burn up some of that wood. It could be nice and smoky. And uh, maybe get down to a plant sale this weekend. I don't know. We'll see about that. Main thing, for those who see every day as a new day, as a another chance to give it a go go to a garden center go to a farmer's market take a kid with you show them how to do what we do best and that's get dirty email me garden at mpbonline.org and remember we're just plants we need some sunlight this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand